You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. This is East Carolina All-American Brian Packard, and we're talking Pirate Baseball and the Sports Objective. You're listening to Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us every Sunday night on Facebook Live and our YouTube channel as we talk East Carolina baseball. As we look back at the previous week and take a look at what's ahead. Now, let's talk Pirate Baseball. Welcome into the very first Extra Innings of the 2023 season, our fifth season doing Extra Innings. And I want to pitch it now to my good friend all the way from LaGrange, Kyle from LaGrange. Barbara, how are you? What's going on, Dave? I just was looking at the graphics on the intro, Bubba. Nice job. That's uh, that's one of my favorite intros I think we've done based on the graphics. No doubt. Bubba Rosenbaum all the way from China Grove, North Carolina. How are you? Doing well, Dave. And I'm fired up about talking pirate baseball as always. Uh, excellent weekend. A little bit of a slow start in game one yesterday and that I know we'll discuss. But uh, all in all, an excellent weekend. Uh, a lot of bright spots to talk about over this next hour or so. No doubt back with us uh, in his second season as a play-by-play voice of the Pirates, a Pirate himself, Scott Rogers. Scott, man, uh, what a great weekend, a great way to start the 2023 campaign, my friend. It was. It was a uh, heck of an opening weekend and obviously a uh, good way to start the year and hopefully good things in the future for the Pirates. No doubt we were talking preseason, um, preseason, listen to me, green room about uh, last year. Everybody was talking about, you know, the panic room, pirate panic room. Oh, my gosh. How in the world can we lose three to Brian? You know, we got swept. And and I said, man, if we could, I pray to God we win not only as the pirates, but the fact that I I was tired of hearing about that. I think everybody was in the panic room until about the last 25 games of the season. Uh, but a great way to start the, the season. And the fact of the matter is, uh, with the first game, there seemed to be uh, maybe some jitters. I, I don't know. Uh, at the very beginning of that first game, I uh, just want to get your thoughts on, on that. I know Bubba's got stats and more, but what did you think about game one of the doubleheader yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I think there was a little bit of jitters there at the start. And, uh, you know, credit to George Washington's starters yesterday. I mean, they they had pretty good starts against the Pirates. Um, but I think there might have been a little bit of jitters here and there trying to get into a groove. But as we saw in – in all three games, once that offense got into a groove, they were they were clicking on all cylinders. I think it's good to face some adversity early on in the season. You don't want too much of it in game two and game three. We didn't get it, but I think it's good to face it. You don't want to just come out and, and you know, because you, you're going to face it against Campbell and Carolina, so it's good to get a little bit of adversity, I think, the first weekend. Yeah, man, you've got Campbell, Carolina, and Duke all coming up. Uh, tough schedule, right, Bubba, ahead, so you definitely want to start strong this weekend. No doubt. And, uh, you know, honing in on game one, um, obviously that was bumped back from Friday night. It had already been bumped back from four to six. And then with the showers that came through, um, the field was not able to be playable on Friday evening. So one o'clock doubleheader and uh, Carter Spivey, um, not his best outing to uh, say the least. But at the same time, like Coach Godwin said in the post game very challenging situation for Carter because Carter was hot on Friday night and then he had to bounce back after uh, after uh, being so on Friday 
So that was a very tough situation, um, and I know that was something that that um, was not surprising to hear him mention. And it gives him something to prove next Friday. Oh, no, no doubt. And, uh, and Scott, um, what were your thoughts? Obviously, a couple zeros in the first two innings, and then uh, the Colonials pushed across four, um, four singles and a couple of walks there in the third. Yeah, I mean, you know, credit to George Washington's offense this weekend. They had some really good bats this weekend, and uh, you know their their head coach Greg Ritchie had a good background in terms of hitting. He was a Pittsburgh Pirates hitting coach for a couple seasons, and so that I think is definitely was their best part of their game this weekend. That and their starting pitching. But uh, you know, it's like Kyle said. You know, it's always good to have some adversity in the early season, and uh, you know, in all three games, every time George Washington would score. ECU would come back and answer in some degree. And I think that's a, a very good thing to point out of the, this Pirate offense this weekend. Well, for, for me personally, guys, I think what it comes down to is the fact that when you're a good team like the Pirates are, let's be honest, that's a great program. You have a team like George Washington come in, just like Brian did last year. And they they literally came in and they gave us their best shot. And they're going to give you your best shot when you're the hunted. They are the hunters. We are the hunted. And so I felt like that, you know, if you can survive the storm, so to speak, like we did, then like today, they just didn't have the pitching to uh, to withstand the storm of the Pirates. I mean, it was uh, that for me. But talking about um, game one early on, they're definitely going to give you their best shot. They're not just going to lie down. Uh, there's no point to play the game if a team's just going to lie down for you, just lay right down on the field. No, they were fired up, like you said, giving us their best shot. And I think we came out a little a little tight and but once they once George Washington got it going and jumped on us uh, we woke up and answered in a hurry and that's what I like to see the most is it's got mentioned answering but particularly in game one um we didn't like being down long and we weren't down very long and um of the three games I enjoyed game one the most because it's competitive baseball in in game one uh, once we faced that four to Nothing deficit like Scott mentioned. Uh, we started to chip away there immediately uh, after giving up the four spot in the third. We we pushed across one in the bottom of the frame, and then a couple innings later, you began to see uh, Justin Wilcoxon's uh, you know really emerge, and we'll, we'll uh, dive deeper into what he did this weekend. Uh, unbelievable weekend for him, and uh, you know it was in game one. It was really Wilcoxon, Starling. And then uh, Luke Nowak, um, tremendous game for all three of those gentlemen. In fact, he went three for five, uh, right? And uh, was it four RBI for uh, the first game? Or I know for but, but the two games, I guess it was. Yeah. Uh, in game one, uh, Justin Wilcoxon, three for five, four RBIs. And then um, Jacob Starling, two for four with three runs batted in. And then Luke Nowak, two for four. And um, I know Coach Godwin referenced this in today's post game. Uh, no what speed has been well documented and uh, how it's elite. And we saw that all weekend, uh, him putting pressure on the, the colonial infielders, and it created at least one, if not a couple, infield hits. And he also yeah. had two two doubles. Yeah. So, uh, Scott, um, you know, what was your impression of Luke Nowak and his first action as a – the first significant action as a Pirate? Yeah, I mean, we we knew that his speed was going to be that big factor. Just seeing him in the in the pinch running roles that he had last season, but uh, you know, it, it really surprised me how well he hit the ball. You know, I knew he was a pretty good hitter 
I knew he had hit the ball pretty good in the preseason, but for him to have that good of a start. And then like everybody said, you know, the show off that speed, stretching some of those singles and the doubles this weekend, uh, it, it, it's going to be a force to be reckoned with in that DH role. And I think we might see a couple of different ones in that DH role, maybe here in the early part of the season. But if Luke Nowak is is hitting the ball like he is right now and keeps doing that with that speed, it's going to be tough to take him out of that lineup. And uh, Scott, as far as the we were talking about um, pitching overall in the first game, what was your thoughts there? I know people were a little scared, like we talked about with Carter Spivey, but I think he'll be just fine. Uh, I think it was just a matter of like Coach said. And uh, what about the rest of the way after Carter? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it was a tough situation for Carter on you know getting warmed up on Friday and having the thought that, you know, he was going to be pitching on Friday night and that rain came down on Friday. And so going through that warm-up, getting, you know, all those jitters in you and then you're not pitching. And then you're having to do the exact same thing, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours later is is a big – that's a big difference, especially going through that warm-up. And I think that had a lot to do with it. And it wasn't a terrible start for Carter, none at all. And, and you know, with it being opening weekend, starters are not going to go, go more than four or five innings anyway and so I think it wasn't a bad start for Carter Spivey but we saw last year what Carter did for this club and uh, I think he's going to be just fine in that Friday night role. And in game one um, you had Garrett Saylor relieve Spivey. Um, Garrett went an inning in the third uh, did not allow a run and then Zach Root uh, we'd heard about the talented freshman left-hander and uh, boy did he have a stellar outing in his first action as a pirate three and two-thirds and uh, Zach is our PGXGloves.com pitcher of the week. Um, Zach, in those three and two-thirds, did not allow a run, just two hits, five strikeouts, and one walk. Uh, so congratulations to Zach Root, who picked up the victory and relief on being our first PGXGloves.com pitcher of the week for 2023. Every time I hear his name, I immediately think of the old announcer, Jack Root. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, great outing by – uh, Zach Root. In fact, uh, one of the when you say Scott, one of the surprises of the of the weekend so far and early on in the season. Yeah, I would say so. And uh, you know, I think everybody kind of knew Zach Root was going to be a pretty good pitcher because he started those two fall games right. last year against Clemson and Virginia. But I think it was very shocking for him to come in and pitch as well as he did. Uh, and, and Coach O brought up a good point too. He said, looking at Zach Root, he it reminded him a lot of C.J. Mayhew in terms of his mannerisms a little bit, the way that he attacks hitters. And so, you know, I think if he can continue to attack the strike zone like he did, he's going to be a very good pitcher for the Pirates in his career. Like Coach Godwin pointed out after um, game two yesterday, I believe it was, when he met with the media, he was just saying, you know, if Zach doesn't come through and, you know, we don't bounce back the way we did and win game one, you know, who knows um, if game two goes – yeah, you know, ends up 11 to three like it did. Um, there was an awful lot of momentum captured in that second half of game two. Excuse me, game yeah. one. Game one. Yeah, I mean it was, and uh, you know, they're getting that momentum shift was huge, obviously for the weekend because you know, obviously you get down four nothing like we did. You know, everybody starts thinking about last year and the way that Bryant series went. But you know, once that momentum started the shift, it was good, and Zach Root it was a, a huge part of that, especially on the mound. And Scott, one of the things we heard in the fall, and I know you you're extremely close to the program, is that's when I started to hear rumblings of the fact that 
how great this uh, pitching staff, it was even deeper than Cliff had ever had. And so when you start hearing about that, you're starting to think about, okay, we, we knew that there was a good chance that even all that we lost as far as the bats were concerned, that if we had deep pitching, that keeps you in the game or should keep you in the game. And the fact that the pitching is so deep and overall I thought looked pretty good, um, that's a great sign, especially deeper, uh, a deeper run, if you will, like once you get into June. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, me and Coach O talked about it a lot. You know, we were we were sitting there saying, well, we could see this guy today. We could see this guy today. Well, we still – we didn't even mention him or we didn't mention him because there's so many of them. You can't keep track of, of who you even guess is going to come in. Unlike last year, you knew it was going to be – you know, that first one out of the pen was going to be Garrett Saylor or it was going to be Carter Spivey. This year, outside of Garrett Saylor, you know, you don't know who's going to come out of that pen – for East Carolina, but it's a great problem to have because everybody that comes out of that pen is a quality arm. One of the new arms out of the pen, that's no doubt a quality arm, and that's Tyler Brott, um, the VMI transfer. Uh, we had heard about his electric stuff. Um, we saw him for an inning and a third yesterday, picking up his first save as a Pirate, and um, he struck out three, um, you know, recorded four of those outs, or three of those four outs via strikeout. Yeah, I mean, a very electric fastball that Brock has. And, you know, he's going to be a good late-inning guy for this club. And, you know, even in the middle innings, you could see him come in at a time or two there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's one you could maybe see slide into that quote-unquote closer's role as the year goes along. But that's going to be a huge piece in that bullpen to have somebody that can come in and fire 94-96 consistently. No doubt about it. In fact, uh, I know, Bubba, you had a – you had another point about game one. Uh, I was actually going to uh, transition into to game two. Uh, okay. You know, uh, Trey Savage uh, getting the start, and uh, we had heard about how tremendous he had been in the preseason, um, and it was not all that surprising to see him uh, be named as uh, one of the weekend starters with the stuff he has and the way he developed his secondary pitches. Uh, so, what was your um, what were your thoughts on? his first outing, uh, obviously not particularly sharp early on, but got better as the game went. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, just like Carter Spivey, it wasn't the best start, but it wasn't a terrible start either. And, you know, again, he's not going to go more than four or five innings as a starter on opening day, but uh, you know, he's another one, like you said, that I think everybody kind of expected to be in the starting rotation with the fall he had. And then the work that he put in in summer ball last year as a starter and, you know, it, it kind of reminds me a lot of Gavin Williams and the route he took, how he was kind of a short inning guy out of the bullpen and then transitioned into that starter's role. And he was a great starter, obviously, for East Carolina. And I think that's going to be a very similar path for Trey Savage. And it's going to be fun to watch him as the year goes along. You mentioned the depth we have on this pitching staff. Obviously, you want your starters to go out there and, you know, have great outings. But unless they get you in big time trouble, you know, you don't get you. Don't, you you can always – we're going to be able to, to – if a guy gets in trouble, we're not going to have to let him stay out there. Sometimes you want to let a guy stay out there because he can sometimes fix his problems and settle down. But with the depth we have, if you get a guy going out there giving up two or three, four runs early, you know, we have the ability to get him out of there. So I think it takes a lot of pressure off the starters. Yeah, I think it does too. Um, you know, unlike last year where you didn't have that many pieces out in the pen and – you know, you would have to leave some guys in there for a little bit longer. But, you know, like you said, it is good to have those pieces that you could go to early if you have to. And, you know, I think it does take a little bit of stress off of those starters knowing that 
you know, they don't have to stay in for an extra four, five, six hitters if they don't have their best stuff. No question about it. And you were, uh, we were talking about that. What about uh, not only the, we were talking about pitching, what about the bats? The bats were alive and you always think that defense is going to be there before the offense, but man, if that's the case, if uh, this is the floor for this team and this is not the ceiling, as far as the bats, 43 runs and three games, a great way to start the season. Everybody can say, Dave, it's opening weekend. It's George Washington. But um, uh, 43 runs uh, is is incredible. Yeah, I mean, for anybody that you're playing, you put up 43 runs, you're doing something right. And uh, this offense, obviously, we knew was going to be very deep, still has a lot of left-handers in that lineup. But, you know, it's like you said, it's opening day, and you're putting up 43 runs, getting those kink at, kinks out still. And, you know, that shows how dangerous this East Carolina offense can be this year. And like you said, you know, it was against George Washington. People can say whatever they want to about that. But it's going to be a good test this week coming up with Campbell in North Carolina. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch them go ahead and get to those games and see what they can do against maybe a little bit step up in terms of competition, if you get what I'm saying. Um, but, it, you know, this Pirate offense obviously thrives, too, it seems like, against good pitching in the past. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch this weekend, this weekend. Look at game two, if you look at game two, it was kind of competitive. And what was it, about the fifth inning, all of a sudden mm-hmm. – uh, four runs here, four runs there, and it was over. Yeah, it really, it really was. Um, that's that's the way. Um, like you're saying, Kyle, it's two-two ball game going to the the sixth inning, and then in the the bottom of the sixth, the Pirates put up a, a snowman, as they say, an eight spot, and uh, obviously it was on pretty much on cruise control from there. Yeah, sixth and I said fifth, but uh, yeah, eight runs in the sixth and. What was a close ball game was over in a hurry. You know, it was it was crazy how that happened, and sometimes that's just the way baseball is. You bust it up, and all of a sudden have the big inning. No question. And being the Pirates are a great team. That's that you know it's coming. You just don't know when it's coming. It seems like going back several years now. Guys, I want to give a tip out, uh, a shout out to Pirate Nation, four thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven uh, for the first and second games, and then for the third game today we had four thousand eighty-nine. It's over 13,000. It was 13,643 for the three games, and it's February. It's the first weekend. It's not warm outside like you would think with baseball, and that just is a testament to Cliff Godwin, his staff, and what he's built this program for to have that kind of – I think there's a lot of programs in the country that would love to have over 13,000 people in three days. Uh, Well, it's basically just two with Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Kyle. Well, I was just going to say, Scott, you can elaborate on it more. Um, but particularly yesterday with the doubleheader and bad weather, I mean, that's really impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, with it being a doubleheader and the weather, with it being, you know, chilly yesterday with that wind blowing, you know, it, I'm sure there was a lot of wind burned faces in that crowd yesterday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, kudos to Pirate Nation for coming out and and showing them that they can that we can fill this place up every game and not just in the month of June, because um, it's big. You know, I'm sure that you know, I'm sure we led the the group of five, you know, quote unquote, this weekend in attendance, and I'm sure we were right there in the top of the entire country this weekend. But it, it shows how faithful this fan base is, and uh, it also shows how excited this fan base is about this year's team. 
And Scott, um, obviously the big blow uh, in that sixth inning, I did want to mention this in that eight run inning uh, was JJC's uh, grand slam to, to right center field. And, uh, and no doubt. Yeah, it was uh, no doubter. And in addition to uh, having a solid weekend at the plate, uh, five hits and 15 at bats, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts um, as well as you, Dave. You were there in person. I, uh, I was watching via ESPN Plus. Tell us about uh, your thoughts on JC and center field. Yeah, I mean, he uh, obviously at the plate, you know, it didn't start the day good on Saturday, had a lot of hard hit balls, but they were right to people. But, you know, this was one that we knew that he was going to get out of that very quick and he was going to start fighting some open field. And and when he did, you know, it shows why Cliff Godwin has him at the top of the lineup, just like he did Bryant Packard, just like he did Connor Norby, and just like he did with Bryson Worrell, putting that power right at the top of the order shows good for this East Carolina team. And, and defensively, too, you know, he made a lot of good plays. This weekend, you know, I'm sure he's still adjusting to that center field role because, um, you know, as we talked about on the air this weekend, it's a big it's, it's a big adjustment from that corner outfield spot to the to the captain of the outfield and being in center field. And so I think as the year goes along, he's going to adjust more and more to that center field role. But, uh, you know, very excited to watch him at the plate and in center field this year. Yeah, Scott, guys, it's like with a basketball player that maybe have a, like an off night or you just tell them, hey, Keep shooting, you know, this would take keep hitting. And man, because you can know when that guy gets one in the sweet spot, he's going to drill it. And that thing was, I mean, when it left the bat, there's some that you're like, uh, can it, can it make it? Can it make it? That was, there was no question about it. That was like a rocket. I don't know. Does anybody, you guys know like how many feet that, uh, that ball, like, I don't know, but it was, it's one of the biggest uh, bombs I've seen in a while, maybe going back to, uh, that big one Josh Moreland had again, the regional against Virginia was uh, like kind of like that when we were in the jungle walking, trying to find a place to sit in the regional, a good problem to have for the program. But I don't know how Bubba, do you know? No, uh, I know at times you know, you, you'll see ECU baseball or, you know, other baseball programs tweet out things like uh, exit velocity and then, you know, how far a home run travels. But I, I didn't see anything like that. Uh, did you Scott? No, I did not. Um, I, I have not heard any kind of exit velocities or or distance on any of the home runs this weekend. But I can say it did go very far, just like Dave did. Uh, I think it. I think it either went on the practice field or it yeah. landed just at the fence of it. Uh, looking, watching it live, I thought it did go out there. I could be wrong just because it was dark and couldn't see very well. But uh, it, it was definitely it was definitely far enough for it to disappear into the dark. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to add, Scott. I feel like that it. It was close, like exactly what you said. The practice field was somewhere near the practice field or on the practice field because when that ball, I mean, it was like a rocket, like like you're just shooting a cannon off mm-hmm. uh, from home plate. There was no question about it. So uh, great for him. And um, his very first Grand Slam, guys, as a Pirate uh, was JC. So uh, great mm-hmm. to see that for him. That's surprising to hear that. Um, I wanted to ask you guys a question. And, uh, Scott, maybe you know this. Dave, Bubba, maybe one of you will know this. Um, with it being general admission in the jungle, um, is there is there a hard capacity limit out there by the fire marshal, or can we just put people out there endlessly? There, uh, it's one of those things. There is, but you know, not enforced. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get the administration in trouble or that, but I would think that I don't know what the exact number is. It's a number because when we were going through COVID, they 
they stated that sure. what the mission, like the attempt, well, the capacity is 5,000. I don't know how much of that is. Uh, Bubba, can you help me out on that on the jungle? Go back to my uh, intro video that you that you uh, enjoyed, Kyle. One, one of those pictures was of the school board. Uh, it was, what, 5807 or something like that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I'd say it's, it's at least that much. Uh, who knows with uh, some of the some of the uh, scanner issues with the, the uh, barcode <laughs> readers and so forth last year at the region or super regional rather, uh, you know, if that was exactly accurate. But uh, anybody that walked out in the jungle during that super regional against Texas knows how crowded it was. Oh and, I mean, e- even that night uh, after the lengthy rain delay, uh, when some folks went home, but not many, I mean, it, I was in the right field jungle just for something different instead of my normal spot on the concourse behind the plate. And, and I could hardly move in right field. Yeah. It was uh, literally speaking of the practice field, that fence that's right there. It was literally, that's how deep it was six, seven deep all the way across. It was insane. And I look at my naked eye there, the press box over the weekend for this weekend, it looked like it was at least three or four deep uh, all the way across. Maybe I'm wrong, but it didn't look like, it was a little, obviously, uh, a little bit. It wasn't as much as the uh, regional, super regional, but it was pretty. It was pretty good. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like you, Dave. You know, I thought, especially game one yesterday, that it was at least three yards deep. I was, I was very shocked at how big of a crowd there was in the jungle yesterday because it, it felt like, you know, a small regional crowd there yesterday. You know, that's just a big kudos again to the Pirate Nation. Friday, uh, right now, speaking of crowds in the jungle, forecast for Friday right now high in the 70s. So uh, for Carolina, we should have a nice crowd Friday. 6% chance of rain for Saturday right now. That's a long ways away. But uh, <laughs> curious to know, to be sure, uh, unless it's a complete rain out all day, we'd find a way to get that game in Saturday. Otherwise, would we play two in Chapel Hill on Sunday? Because that would suck. That's a uh, that's a very good question that I don't know the answer to. <laughs> yeah, that's a, one of the interesting variables in a situation like this where you have a traveling series uh, with, with two in uh, one location and one in the other. Um, honestly, I, I'm trying to think down through the years, you have a similar situation, although it's three locations with Clemson in South Carolina where they have one on campus and then um, and then obviously one in Greenville at that ballpark as well. So. Uh, I don't recall rain, you know, you know, being a huge factor in, in that series and how they handled it. But uh, obviously these coaches, as much as that would, uh, would would stink to see one of the games meant for Clark LeClaire get moved to Boschmer Stadium, I'm sure Cliff would rather get two games in uh, than, than one, uh, depending on the circumstances. So uh, Yeah, I wonder how the contract reads, you know, because – I wonder if if we would play two in Greenville on Sunday then, because I mean we still would be entitled to one of those games. Supposed to be two in Greenville and one in Chapel Hill, so I don't. I'm just curious to know how that would work. That's a good question for somebody to ask Cliff or somebody during the week if if it you know if the forecast holds and hopefully it won't. Uh, if that Saturday game does get rained out, and granted we'd have all day to get it in, uh, would we play two in Greenville on Sunday or would it be two in Chapel Hill on Sunday? You know, you ain't going to split it up in one day. Yeah, and you hope too that you get that game into at a, at a yeah. reasonable hour, just because of the of the Houston basketball game later in the night on Saturday to have a a great crowd there. Because you know, obviously, if it starts at two o'clock on Saturday, it's going to be a heck of a crowd at Clark or Claire, and I and I would hope 
that every single one would would head over to Minji's later in the night to watch what could possibly be the number one team in the country here. Yeah, that'll be a mess yes. if rain does push that game back to a nighttime first pitch. That, that'll you could have the number one team in basketball taking on the Pirates, mm-hmm. and then us playing Carolina in baseball at the same time. You could have a lot of torn fans there. Yeah, no doubt about it, and uh, we'll have to find out about that. But hopefully, we'll keep our fingers crossed. There's a lot of time between now and then. And I know, Bubba, you want to go to the PGX player of the game. I think it's uh, the worst-kept secret. Uh, who? Yeah, it, very easy selection for us this week. Uh, a lot of Pirates had tremendous weekends, but this guy's weekend, um, like we were discussing pre-show in the green room, um, it's probably um, – I can't imagine anybody nationally having a better weekend. It, he may very well be the national player of the week by several publications. And I'm, of course, talking about pirate catcher Justin Wilcoxon. Um, you see there on the screen for our viewers, 10 hits and 14 official at-bats. Um, I believe he also reached by a walk and a hit-by-pitch. So he reached base in 12 out of 16 plate appearances, two home runs, three doubles, had at least three hits in each of the games with four in game two. Uh, and he drove in eight runs. So uh, just an unbelievable weekend, hitting 714 for Justin Wilcoxon. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Keep that up throughout the year, Will. We want you to have this, uh, Wilcoxon, we are Justin, whatever your name is. I love your last name. Um, we, uh, we we want you to have that 714 batting average come June. See if you can do it. See if you can break a record. Well, Scott, one of the things I'm happy with is uh, player development with uh, the coaching staff. And we knew that he had the potential. We we knew how good his defense was, and we knew that there was a potential there for his offense. And uh, that's what's so exciting to see. I know you covering the Pirates' second year as play-by-play voice. Uh, it's cool to see a player that you know has potential, and you see them rise to the occasion like like he did. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Justin didn't have the best of years last year defensively behind the plate. Offense was always there. Um, but you can tell that he definitely improved on his defense this year and and improved even more on that offense this year. And, you know, obviously he had a great weekend at the plate, but, you know, I think it's really going under talk that this guy caught only every single inning except for one this weekend. And that says a lot for him, especially with that doubleheader yesterday. But kudos to him behind the plate. And, you know, obviously hitting like that, you know, that's obviously very, very good. And uh, if he can keep up, you know, this hot streak, you know, obviously with it being at the start of the year, you hope maybe you don't drop into a slump or whatever in the middle of the year. But, you know, obviously a heck of a start for Justin Wilcoxon and uh, probably will be multiple publications, Player of the Weeks, coming tomorrow morning. Uh, no doubt. And, Scott, before we go, I know that you've got uh, early class tomorrow, so we don't want to keep you too long. And thank you so much for – I know you had a busy weekend. Let's get some questions and comments if you don't mind for you. Uh, real quick before we let you go, uh, let's go up to, I know Chuck had a question about Ryan McChrystal, and he's asking, is McChrystal going to be out for a long time? Uh, it, it seems like it's it's going to be a, a few days or a few games that he's going to be out. Um, still dealing with that with a small injury, but uh, I'm hoping not too long, but I think he is going to be out for, for a few more games. And uh, staying with Chuck, he says, uh, who's pitching against Campbell? Um, we think that it's going to be – our guess is Jake Hunter, but I don't know. You're right there, again, closer to the program than we are. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it might be Jake Hunter as well. Um, you know, we had speculated that just because we had not seen him all weekend and then comes in today for that ninth inning and only pitches, I think, 19 or 20 pitches. Yeah. So, 
really a, a bullpen day for him. And today would have been his bullpen day anyway in terms of it being two days before start. So I think it's safe to say that Jake Hunter might get the start on Tuesday. And uh, obviously he was in the starters role last year at the beginning of the year. And another guy that that has, uh, you know, worked really hard in the offseason to get better. He stayed in Greenville, didn't pitch anywhere in the summer last year, stayed in Greenville and worked in the weight room really hard to get in shape. And uh, very excited about what Jake Hunter to do can do, especially with that experience from his freshman year last year. Scott, speaking of working real hard in the offseason, uh, I wanted to point this out. Not that you were bad last year, but I uh, listened to you this weekend and uh, you and Coach O's chemistry together. Uh, you, 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 are, you weren't bad last year. You were already much better year, this year than you were last year. You did a great job this weekend on the calls. Well, thank you. It was, uh, you know, uh, you know, obviously with Jeff Charles passing away, he helped me a lot in the offseason this year working on some things. Uh, you know, I got to be in the booth right beside him in every single football game for the home games this year and uh, filled it for him on a basketball game and then started doing women's basketball this year as well. And so, uh, you know, he meant, he meant a lot to me, you know, helped me improve a lot. And, and it was, it was really an honor to get to know him on a personal level, just because I had looked up to him for so many years growing up in East Carolina fan. And now the, to, to know him personally was, was really an honor and uh, wish you could have known him personally a little bit longer. No doubt it's hard for all of us. By the way, Alan Vick, our good friend, our great radio friend, um, he has some, he said, don't want to go off topic, but just wanted to let Scott know how much I enjoyed he and Rob Maloney calling the Lady Pirates games on the radio. I'd love to see the ladies get a full-time radio broadcast. Rob Maloney is a classic and told me, uh, taught, told me everything I know about how to do high school football, laughing out loud. He's a great guy. Rob is awesome. You know, former coach at D.H. Conley, and now he is the – Pitt County Schools athletic director, but uh, he's tell you what, or he is really good as a color guy on a radio broadcast just because of his knowledge for basketball. And uh, those women's broadcasts have been really fun to do this year, especially with the success that Kim McNeil's program has had. Had a really big come from behind victory yesterday against yeah. UCF, and uh, I think uh, one or two more wins for that program I think can really solidify a, an NIT bid for them, but. You know, obviously, they're really good this year, and they've brought in – they're bringing in a couple more girls next year that are really, really good. And so the future of Kim McNeil's uh, women's basketball program is is really heading in the right direction. They're going to be really fun to watch in future years to come. Yeah, and I agree with uh, – I agree with uh, with Alan, the fact that I hope that you and Rob can do the games and not trying to – your friend. I'm not trying to push that out there, but uh, Kim McNeil, her fourth year, they have 19 wins as of yesterday. Uh, by the way, uh, plug really quick. I know we're talking baseball, but real quick for them. On Wednesday night, I want to get all the Pirate Nation there. It's a free free admission. The first 200 people that are there get a T-shirt. I want everybody there. Let's get really loud. They're taking on Houston. Uh, that could be our 20th win. In fact, we haven't been to the WNIT since uh, 2015. Uh, so it's been a while. It's been a minute. And i uh, love to get the 20th win. And uh, I believe we're, what, 9-4, and 10-4 and four and the conference down the Americans. So, yeah, uh, nineteen and eight, um, ten and four, ten and, and four. I believe still in second place, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. And, 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 and that Houston game too was big for those conference standings because they were right there with Houston, and Houston actually lost to Memphis, I believe, this past week, which knocked them down a spot, which allowed ECU to move <laughs> in the second. So this is a, a really big game in terms of the conference standings as well, and hopefully that they can finish second this year. And uh, like you said, but if you can't get to the game, 
94-3 the game, we will have the game at 6 o'clock this Wednesday. No and, doubt. And I believe our uh, final regular season game is down at Tulane for the women. I believe so. That's right. Oh, yeah. uh, hopefully the ladies can, you know, uh, at least secure WNIT, but uh, get in the conference tournament. It'd be nice to go to the dance. You got to win it all. Our, uh, by the way, real quick, sorry, I didn't mean to make the, the our, uh, RPI. I just checked today is 91. So it's going to be a l- little bit difficult. You have to win the tournament to to make it to the big dance. Not saying it's not possible. Especially um, now with UConn not being in the American. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Uh, so we've got that. Scott, do you have anything before we go? We'll let you get ready for school, uh, obviously, and appreciate everything you're doing for the program. And uh, certainly glad to have you back and a great way to start the season. And what are your final thoughts? Uh, Getting ready for Campbell, right? Yeah, getting ready for Campbell, a team that uh, won won their series against Rutgers this weekend, put up some really good offensive numbers in the first two games. I think they got blown out today. I think they lost like 16 to four or something like that against Rutgers today. But, uh, you know, last year we saw Cade Keeler in that second game against him late the year. He's back in their Friday role. He threw Friday, so we will definitely not see him in the midweek this week. But as we all as we all know, Campbell always has you know a couple of really really good players, and Justin Hare always uses that transfer portal well. He gets a lot of JUCO guys to come in, and so it's it's hard to to really judge what they're going to have until you see them play in person a lot of times. But uh. You know, they're going to be ready to play. They have been the past few years, and uh, I believe it's supposed to be 75 on Tuesday. And so should be a great crowd at Jim Perry Stadium and um, very looking forward to another good trip to Bowie's Creek. Yeah, and that's a nice win over Rutgers, nice series win. I know um, our, our uh, guys helped me out, the guy we had on from D1 Baseball. Uh, Mike Rooney. Rooney. Rooney Rooney had uh, Rutgers. Uh, he was big on Rutgers, had them uh, just behind Maryland in the Big Ten this year. So that's a nice win for – nice series win for Campbell. No doubt. And Justin Hare does a great job with that program. And Bowie's Creek, he's built it up. They gave Tennessee fits, I remember, in the regional in Knoxville. So uh, look forward to playing them. It's always a tough out, and uh, no pun intended. And uh, it's going to be great to see it. Scott, man, thank you so much. I look forward to having you uh, here on the show um, during the season. I appreciate it very much when you can. I know it's hard with uh, all the travel and everything. But thank you so much for coming on, and uh, look forward to you being back on soon. Yep, thanks, and uh, hopefully in the future and get on a little bit more once I uh, graduate this upcoming uh, summer. So uh, be glad when that gets out of the way. But uh, thanks, as always, for letting me come on and uh, no hopefully talk to you all this coming Sunday. All right, man. Have a good one, bud. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye. Appreciate it very much for Scott being on with us. And, uh, guys, uh, we're talking Pirate Baseball. By the way, want to give a shout-out to uh, – I was going to do that at the beginning of the show, but we were so excited to start – Trenton and Gainel Brett from Next Level Training Center. Appreciate them very much for sponsoring, uh, again, Extra Innings. It's our fifth year, uh, fifth season doing this show. And thanks to them, they've been supporters for uh, a while now, a good while. So appreciate them very much. And also want to give a shout-out to Mark Minikazi uh, from pgxgloves.com. He's been awesome to us. Um, want to make sure I give them a shout-out. And uh, certainly, we're not going anywhere. just want to make sure that uh, I say hello to them and appreciate their support of the program. Hello. Um, I, I, that was that was my Corey Glore. Uh, guys, we blew the game one, game two. We hadn't gone over game three yet. A um, uh, lot of runs in game three. A lot of runs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're looking at how good uh, East Carolina is, I, I felt like today, once we had those two yesterday, as long as we stay focused – 
And uh, boy, did we ever. <laughs> I counted, I looked up, it was five innings, guys. Five out of the nine. Of course, in the ninth inning, we didn't have to because we were already ahead. But five of the nine innings, we scored. And not only did we score, we scored multiple runs, obviously. Uh, in each. But really, five out of eight because we didn't come to bat in the ninth. So that's, I know that's that, incredible. Well, yeah. So that's uh, something that we take for granted, I guess, that we should not, uh, how big of a deal that is. Um, but it was great to have uh, that offense. And that was the biggest concern is people thought the pitching would be great and how we've lost so much, not having a lot of those guys uh, like Agnos and all and, and, uh, and Bryson Worrell and how would that be? And man, I know that was George Washington and that's not a regional type game, but um, they were ready. They were ready and a, a great start to the 2023 campaign. Yeah, I really had, didn't have any concerns and like coach Palumbo and mentioned at media day, uh, you know, a lot of folks have talked about what we're missing just because um, of the caliber of players and Zach Agnos and Bryson Worrell are, but at the same time, uh, you, you look at what we're returning and, and go through it position by position with the likes of a AMAC, Elaine Hoover, um, Jacob Starling, JC, etc. cetera. Uh, and it, it's impressive. And, Going to going back to game three, Scott referenced on at least one, if not a couple occasions, just the way we answered. And um, in, in today's game, that was the story. Because you, know, you, you take a look at it, it was a three to nothing game after three innings. George Washington you know, puts that two spot on the board there in the um, top half of the fourth. And all of a sudden, you're in a one run ball game. We respond with a five spot. And then they, um, they put up another two spot in the top of the fifth. We respond with seven, and that was uh, pretty much the ball game because it it went from being eight to four to fifteen to four, and then we uh, we had another huge inning in the eighth, putting up six. Twenty three runs on twenty hits for the Pirates in today's uh, today's rubber game or not rubber game, but uh, series finale. That was uh twenty three runs. That kind of reminiscent of college baseball from the early 2000s when uh, you'd see that on a regular basis back with the old bats. Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, Kyle, I know that we talk about the show, especially you, like this this team just feels like they have a killer instinct and like, you know, a knockout punch. And even though we had a slow start for game one, they can, not only the fact that mental toughness to come back, but also that they're, you know, okay, you can give me the, it's like punching like a fighter. Go ahead and give me your best shot because we're going to go ahead and knock you out. Yeah, it was uh, kill a kill a fly with an axe, as Skip Holtz used to say. Um, uh, you know, the killer instinct uh, certainly showed this weekend against uh, George Washington. But uh, obviously, competition steps up a lot with Campbell, Carolina, and Duke all coming up. And we'll, uh, we'll find out how good we are in a hurry. And granted, early in the season is early in the season. You know, last year, we, we were playing pretty bad baseball for a while. Then we go on a 23-game winning streak. So you, you never know. Hot start doesn't necessarily indicate that, you know, we're, we're going to just roll over everybody just like a slow start last year didn't indicate that we weren't going to host a regional and a super regional. So this weekend was what it was. It's nice to start off 3-0. It's better starting off 0-3. But um, a lot of baseball yet to be played. And that killer instinct you mentioned, um, hopefully we'll see that against some stiffer competition in the coming weeks and days. No yeah. question. I, I feel very strongly about 
uh, with the, you know, the, the good thing about the competition though, is the very fact that um, we could play a lot of like teams that are not very good. But I think uh, one of the things I respect about Cliff Godwin so much is Bubba. I don't know the strength of schedule, but I was told it's one of the, the toughest in the whole country. If you want to host, but I'm sorry, Bob, I didn't mean to step on you, but Dave, you guess what I'm saying? Dave. If you want to host, we're in a position where we want to host regionals every year and then be in a position to host super regionals. And yeah, you, you've got to play a tough schedule to do that. Yeah. And um, you have the always strong regional teams like, like a North Carolina, NC State, Duke, Campbell, UNC, Wilmington, and then you factor in or oh, throw in teams there. Um, like Indiana, who's been very good in recent years in the Big Ten. Uh, Long Beach. Long Beach State, who, um, although they may have struggled some of late, um, they're a very strong program historically. And then Missouri State, uh, like I've heard people mention, don't uh, sleep on them because that's a program that in the not-too-distant past has been to Omaha and um, also maybe made another super regional. So, it used to be what Southwest Missouri State back yeah, in the day. Southwest Missouri yeah. State back in the day when uh, in, in basketball Steve Alford coached there that went on to UCLA. Yeah, did they win? Did they win the College World Series one year when they were Southwest? I remember them making it to Omaha. Did they win the yeah. damn thing? I don't think they won it, but uh, but yeah, they uh, they made it. I remember, uh, you know, of course, Kent State, Stony Brook, and us. Uh, yeah. Mother, uh, oh God! Don't 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 start naming all those teams that have been to damn Omaha. And we have, no, no, no. but um, Stony Brook for God's sake. But but something else, um, something else I want to point out about the offense this weekend, or a few things actually. Uh, Pirates had 41 hits. Of those 41 hits, 20 were for extra bases, uh, and then 11 were doubles, two triples, and then seven home runs. Uh, really saw. A lot of pop from the Pirate Bats as they, through three games, have a slugging percentage a little over 700. Um, something in today's game uh, that was awesome to see. Uh, we had not received in the first two games uh, much production from the first base position, you know, be it Josh Moylan or Kim Clunch. Each of those guys had two hits in today's game. Uh, that, that was great to see. Uh, Josh had. I want to say uh, I'm trying to remember. I, th- I want to say it's a single, and then he also doubled off the right center field gap, a line shot there, just to the left of the scoreboard. And then Cam Clunch came in and uh, had those couple of hits late, uh, one of which was a home run to right field. And then Lane Hoover, um, not the best of weekends for who from as far as as far as uh, hits with just two, but he found his way on base six times. Uh, because he also, in addition to those two hits, um, had two walks and then also two hit-by-pitches. So, uh, Hoove, as always, finding a way to get things done and make things happen, uh, even even when he's not getting base hits. So, um, I guess what, he reached base six out of 15 times? Uh, Yeah, he did. By the way, uh, Johnny Robertson earlier in the show, uh, Bubba, if you see that, he actually put up – He's like you and uh, Johnny and Bubba are like two of the the greatest when it comes to stats. Uh, This is a point I wanted to make. Brian stole five bases against the Pirates in last year's opening series. GW had no stolen bases, one picked off runner, and one runner called stealing. And thank you, JR, for that, as always, my friend. And that was a topic I wanted to talk about tonight is how good we looked on the defense, Bubba and Kyle. Yeah, that's something I was going to bring up when Scott was on the show because he made – 
the specific mention about Wilcoxon and how he had improved defensively. I know he and Coach O were talking about it on the broadcast today, and that's definitely the case. And who knows as far as the way those two teams compare speed-wise on Bryant to George Washington. But, yeah. but um, you know, even though it may not be exactly an apples-to-apples comparison, I mean, it's, um, there's no doubt that Wilcoxon has made tremendous strides uh, defensively. And, yeah. um Man, are we very fortunate um, that we have such a catching lineup that we do, on, or catching depth chart, I should say, uh, with him, McChrystal, and then also uh, freshman Nick DeLisa. No question. Um, we have another question about or a comment uh, that Norm makes is the fact that how many teams can ever come spotting runs to an opponent in the same doubleheader and win big each time? Thank you, Norm, for that. Uh, no doubt about it. There's, I mean, this team was very good. And guys, one of the points I wanted to make is to give a shout out to the coaching staff with uh, Knight, Palumbo, and Godwin, how they're putting together like the recruiting classes they are. We could have like been down this year. And basically what they built is a super regional program. And that's why it tells you it's only a matter of time before we uh, kick down that door and go to Omaha. Well, I think we're to the point as a program because of the success we've had that we reload. And yep. I, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the standard is to host a regional every year. Now, that's not going to happen, but that's the standard. That's what we expect. Um, and, you know, um, hopefully we'll host another one this year. Yes, and, uh, and, you know, and we don't have to host to go to Omaha. You know, closest we ever came was on the road. 2016. So, uh, yeah, so it's um, – a lot of baseball left to be played, but uh, hopefully we're, 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 we're talking well into June. And Bubba, one of the stats that you already know, hopefully I'm not stealing your thunder, is there's only two teams in the country that have hosted four straight regionals, Stanford and East Carolina. Okay. So uh, that's a great company to be in. And no other North Carolina team can say that. And most of the programs in the country uh, can't say that except for Stanford. So um, that's that's the kind of quality program we have. And I hope that people don't take it for granted. Yeah, if we play the way we can play, obviously we have an excellent chance of extending that to five. Um, but what I was going to bring up is you were asking specifically about the def- defensive performance, and I know we talked about Will Coxon, but uh, looking beyond that, uh, we really uh, – one of the big questions was shortstop. I know it's a small sample size, but um, very, very clean baseball for the most part there this weekend. And um, – Two out of our three errors that we committed, um, I think one was a throwing error on a pitcher, one was a fielding error on a pitcher. The only error that we had that was not committed by a pitcher was uh, an error by e- by AMAC. Um, but um, all in all, an excellent weekend uh, defensively on the whole. I'm sure there are some things there you'd like to clean up. But um, on, the, on the whole uh, – very solid defensively uh, for the, for the first weekend of the season. Right yeah, looking ahead. By the way, I want to give a shout out to uh, Patrick Mason. He's going to come on with us uh, maybe tomorrow night. We're going to try to see if we can uh, get in a, a preview of Campbell. He's going to be at the Campbell game and uh, early birthday. Happy birthday to him. His birthday, by the way, Bubba is Tuesday, so he's going to be spending his birthday in Bowie's Creek covering the Pirates on Tuesday. Hey, um, that's, I don't know about Patrick, um, but uh, 
that that'd be an excellent way for uh for me to to spend a birthday watching some pirate baseball but uh yeah interested to get patrick's take on things and um tremendous midweek matchup like it often is in that first midweek game of the season traveling down to Bowie's creek it seems like it's like uh we've talked about it with justin Hare. he said it's like uh groundhog day you know the the fourth game of the season is going to be between the Pirates and Camels in Bowie's Creek. But uh, we'll also try to see if we can get uh, 10 minutes or so of uh, Coach Hare's time to get his take on his ball club and their uh, series win, taking two out of three games from Rutgers. I was looking at it. Uh, they won game one, 11-5, then shut out the Scarlet Knights 10 to nothing in game mm-hmm. two before that 16-3 blowout today uh, to Rutgers. But and Rutgers, like Kyle mentioned, is supposed to be very good, and uh, they were a season ago. Yeah, and, and not surprising they would get off to a slow start. It's probably not good practice weather up in New Jersey. No, and uh, Maryland, by the way, is supposed to be the darling of the Big Ten, according to uh, the folks at D1 Baseball, right? Yeah, and they hosted a regional last year. They were a national up. There. Were they a national seed? They weren't a national seed. They were close to it, and uh, they got eliminated in their regional. Hey, speaking of which, guys, uh, we're number 11 this week. Do you think we move up to 10th or 9th? Do we crack the top 10? I mean, I don't really care ultimately. I'd have, to look at, I'd have to look at what um, – honestly, not that concerned about it and not that you, <laughs> you, not that you are on it, but um, I was just looking – Yeah, probably in some polls. I mean, uh, Baseball America has its way down there. but uh, no, I'm not – yeah, pr- Probably uh, in some polls we'll crack the top 10. Um I'd have you'd have to look around what happened in front of us, uh, but I think there was some losses to some to some opponents in front of us. So, yeah, I'm sure in some polls we'll crack we'll crack the top ten. If we don't this week, if we handle business this coming week, we damn sure will. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to say. Uh, and, Kyle always talks about going four and zero when you have a midweek game, and man, if you can go four and zero against Campbell. And oh then God. sweet Carolina. Yeah, I, I, I don't wow. expect that. Holy crap. No, Good I don't know. I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you did, what I, my point is, if you did that, if you go 4 0 and you sweep the week, I don't see how you could be left out of the top 10. <laughs> Man, if we, if we sweep this week, I'd be worried we're peaking too early. Um, I hope we do. I hope we sweep this week, but it's, uh, that's a tall task. Yeah. No question. You look at North Carolina, uh, can't remember. I don't think we talked about. What they'd done specifically, um, yeah, we had two, Seton Hall. Two out of three from Seton Hall. They lost the season opener. They were able to play on um, Friday right. night. They they fell to the Pirates uh, of Seton Hall late yeah, in that ball game, uh, ten, 10 to eight, and um, that that was a game I'm pretty sure the Tar Heels led in about the seventh or eighth inning, and, uh, and Seton Hall was able to to pull it out. Then Tar Heels took care of business, eleven to two. Yesterday and then in today's rubber game, uh, they were victorious, four to two, against Seton Hall. So, uh, who do they have? Taking a look at some of the uh, give me a second here. The uh, they play Radford on Tuesday, and then and then they also play Long. They play Longwood on Wednesday, so they they jump right into it with two midweek games this week. Okay. Well, maybe they'll be a little bit tired uh, for for the Pirates. They they already lost to the the Seton Hall Pirates, and like Kyle said, uh, get used to it. Right? <laughs> uh, hopefully, we can say that it's always a tough. That's a very tough series. But I tell you what, 
we need uh, – I was going to say this about not to look ahead because Campbell's a huge game as far as home crowds. We need that Carolina series to be like a regional or super regional with um, thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. If the weather holds up Saturday, that won't be a problem. You're going to see it packed Friday night. And, and if the weather holds up Saturday, then uh, I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. Um, I, I would expect to see weather pending bigger crowds than even we had this weekend. Well, like you said, in the 70s, then uh, for sure that we can on on Friday, and then we hopefully it'll be the same way on Saturday, right? Yeah. And when North Carolina um, was going to mention very quickly, we'll talk more about the Tar Heels during the middle of the week, but because uh, there's certainly uh, multiple names to to remember, a very talented team, but uh, obviously being ranked 12th nationally. But uh, Vance Honeycutt, who's actually from Salisbury. 15 minutes up the road from me. Um, he was a freshman All-American a season ago, so that's a, that's a name to keep in mind. He was also a high school quarterback uh, in addition to playing baseball for the Salisbury Hornets. So uh, remember Vance Honeycutt next weekend. Any kind of Lance Honeycutt? <laughs> Don't believe so. You remember him? I do. Yeah. Very similar name. Both played baseball. There you go. I uh, want to uh, make sure that we get our sponsors in. If we have any time for maybe if you want to um, put in a question or comment, we can do that for the last uh, few minutes of the show. Thanks again to Next Level Training Center, uh, to uh, Trent and Gaynell Brent, nextleveltc.com. You can go and call them right now, 252. Well, not right now, but tomorrow, anytime during business Call them hours. right now, right this second. Yeah, you'll get a voicemail, I'm sure. 252-756-NEXT and their Facebook page or social media is awesome. They do a great job and appreciate their support of the program. And obviously, we'll get uh, pgxgloves.com. We appreciate Mark Minikazi. In fact, uh, I'll do that this week. I've got to get ready for – we've been in such basketball mode with our kids. Uh, Kyle, I'll tell you what, they've got a lot of stuff at pgxgloves.com, right? Yeah, here they have gloves. Uh, pgxgloves.com, get yourself. It's baseball season, softball season. You, you, your kids need some cool custom baseball and softball gloves. So go up there. Uh, they got golf gloves. They got swag, uh, football gloves, whatever you need. Uh, go to pgsgloves.com. Put in promo code ECU at checkout. Save yourself 25%. Order a whole bunch of stuff. Kyle's going to order uh, a customized glove to wear to the game, right? Hey, I'm going to want one or two. I'm going to order two batting <laughs> gloves, uh, one with the F, one with a U, and I'm going to hold them up every time. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Only Kyle from LaGrange can get away with that, right? Uh <laughs> I don't, I don't think any of our players could, but I imagine a lot of other people in the stands probably could. No doubt. Uh, I know you want to talk about the jungle, Bubba? Well, just the, the Twitter account, at ECU Jungle, I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Jared Plummer. and uh, Jared. And the work he and uh, the other folks in the jungle uh, do with that account um, as far as you – know, Turning out some excellent content, in-game videos. Um, you know, obviously you can't share them right then, but uh, he'll no. he'll sh- he'll share them, um, you know, as frequently as he can. And we appreciate him allowing us to to have access to those and uh, share them on our YouTube channel. And so I just wanted to tell everyone, if you don't already follow uh, at ECU Jungle on Twitter, to do so. Uh, and then they have. They do an excellent job, as you see, more than 8,000 followers. Yeah, they do great work, and uh, he's a friend of the program and 
friend of ours. I appreciate Jared a lot. He's he's awesome and love everybody out there in the jungle. It's uh, a great atmosphere. And I tell you what, um, there's so many people that keep coming up and I hear it all the time, uh, all the time about the jungle. What's it like? What's it like? They're people that are guys. It's crazy. We got to get these people that are from uh, Eastern North Carolina and they love baseball and they're like, what's the jungle like? And I told him, we'll go through the damn jungle. Exactly. Go to the game, like get a ticket, go to the game and you'll see how great and how awesome it is, uh, for sure. But, uh, anyway, guys, do you have anything before we wrap it up? Yeah, I got something. Uh, Subway and Snow Hill, you suck ass, start putting meat in your subs. All right. That's, uh. That's a great uh, baseball. I'm sure uh, we won't have them as a sponsor. Well, Subway's never going to be a sponsor, but I just wanted to get that up to the masses. Subway and Snow Hill, you suck. Put meat in your subs. <laughs> okay, that was random. Bubba, that's a hard act to follow. Do you have anything? <laughs> Bubba, do you have anything? Sorry, I was trying to unmute myself there. I'd gone to another tab. But, um, no, no. I was just going to bring up another score to um, okay, shout out. To, uh, it does look like they're going to drop the series to number three Stanford, but uh, former Pirate pitching coach and head coach at Cal State Fullerton, and Jason Dietrich, and they picked up a big win in the season opener over the number three Stanford Cardinal. Wow. Eight to, eight to one, lost a close game seven to five in game two, and uh, are losing decisively, I think something like 11 to three. Uh, right now in the bottom of the eighth, but um, all in all, not not a bad start to the season uh, for the Titans. I look for them to make serious strides in year two under Jason Dietrich. Sounds good. He uh, he did a lot for our program. We can't fault him, and he's a cat. Well, he that's his alma mater, right off the top of my head. Uh, yes, that that's correct. He'd been the uh, he'd been there also Oregon. Maybe yep. UC Irvine, but uh, pretty mm-hmm. sure I, th- I think you're correct that he was a Fullerton guy. He he at least coached at Fullerton if if he wasn't uh, an alum. Either way, you got an opportunity to become a head coach, and particularly at a place is is yeah that it won national rich, multiple yeah. national championships. Yeah, you're going to take that opportunity. So yeah, no, no, no fault with him leaving the program. No, and, and also he's done a great job. So we. <laughs> We haven't lost anything with the pitching. In fact, uh, I think Austin learned a lot from Coach, and that's uh, that he worked really close with him. And Cliff knew what he was doing, obviously, by picking Austin Knight. And it, it has actually worked because the program is like not only it seems like the pitching is like deeper. Um, the guys uh, have learned more stuff from Austin Knight, and uh, like more, I guess, literally Bubba right more pitches. Um, uh, another pitch or two that they can in their arsenal. So uh, really proud of that pitching staff. And, uh, man, we need them. I tell you what, if it's uh, stating the obvious, if there's some way that pitching staff can stay healthy, uh, we can have a deep run in June for sure. And hopefully um, Kyle can have to eat his tickets uh, for Brooks and Dunn or uh, for the Super Regional. I'll sell them. them. Well, it won't be Super Regional. It'll be World Series. Uh, Yeah, if we're in College World Series and – we are playing that night. I will certainly find another home for those tickets. And uh, yeah, that'd be a nice problem to have. Uh, no uh, doubt. You can see Brooks and Dunn anytime, right? No. But uh, certainly may never see Pirates in the World Series again based on the history. 
I know I've seen Brooks and done like three or four times. They're I've amazing. seen them once. I've seen them once. That's all back in the nineties. Uh, They're amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, and Kyle, I know you just, I know you're kidding, uh, but that's the thing. I think once we yeah, lock down that the door, door and down, get yeah. Omaha, and I, and I, I know you've said that before as well. That who who knows what may happen. Yeah, it, it, I think it's, I think a bit of it's mental. I think once we do it one time, we'll do it again. And I think it could be a situation like Coastal. We go and we win the damn thing. It's like the it's like the thing, guys. We are now, like we talked about, we regionals all the time, and for the most part in, the, in recent history. And then you have super regionals. I mean, what's Cliff's one uh, been to? Not one, but he's been to what four super regionals, Bubba, off the top of my head. Yeah, obviously twenty sixteen, wow. and then three three straight twenty or twenty one and twenty two. It's nuts. It's great. It's great. Great. It's fantastic. It's just amazing. It's just it's just an oddity. And part of those matchups, uh, you, you're never going to get an easy super regional matchup. But we never catch a break in the super regionals. Even hosting this year, so you like, you, you, you get to host Texas. I mean, can't 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 like we host the super regionals and like friggin' I don't know, uh, damn Marshall. UConn. <laughs> you, you and Marshall come in and win a regional or something. I, you know, we it's gonna take something like that, Kyle. You're right. It's gonna take something like that for not necessarily. No, no. We, we we may go on the damn road and be the number one seed. I mean, it, 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 who knows? But it sure would be nice if that happened. But uh, you know, like I said, we almost did it against Texas Tech, and that was a tall order on the road in Lubbock. Yeah, no doubt, Bub. I know you have the AAC scores. Yeah, last thing I wanted to mention before we uh, wrap it up, um, taking a look around the American, Houston was hosting Pac-12 opponent Cal this weekend uh, there in H-Town, and then they were able to stave off the sweep today. The Bears had won the first two games 7 to nothing and 5-3, to and Houston won 8-6 to today. Uh, you also had um, South Florida. They dropped two out of three to number 13 Maryland. We're obviously well aware with them having been in the Greenville Regional, how good the Terps are now under Coach Vaughn and staff. Um, but um, USF, they were able to win game one against Maryland 8-7 to seven before uh, the Terps bounced back and won the last two 8-1 to one and 9-5. to five. Uh, Then you had Memphis, and Memphis was – uh, obviously, go, going through a coaching change and uh, mm. interested to see how they do this season. Uh, made a very intriguing hire, mm -hmm. but uh, and I know that's something we talked uh, about uh, back several months ago when it happened. But uh, Memphis uh, took two out of three from Sanford out of the SoCon. Uh, wow! The, the Tigers. Yeah, I was, that's pretty impressive because Sanford, as you recall, Kyle. Very good. Good team. And they're, they're typically a regional team, uh, yeah, fairly frequently. Uh, so uh, anyway, the Tigers took two out of three from the Bulldogs of Sanford, winning seven to four and eleven to six before losing today's game as they attempted to sweep nine mm -hmm. to eight. Uh, then you had UCF, as they so often do in the early season. They were playing Siena, and um, they swept uh, Siena twenty-two all to comers, five. All comers for the Knights. <laughs> 22 to 5, 2 to 1, and 11 to 1. So UCF sits at 3 and 0, as you might guess. Uh, then you had Georgia State and Cincinnati. Did, did y'all hear about the brawl that took place between yeah. 
between uh, the yeah. Panthers yeah. and the Bearcats down in Atlanta. Yeah, talk more about that. I know we were trying to wrap the show up, but that yeah, was a I, really, cool. I, I can't provide a lot of detail. I, uh, if we do, we'll put it on our social media, so make sure you're following us. Obviously, on our Facebook page, it's by simply searching the Sports Objective or on Twitter at the Sports OBJ or on Instagram and TikTok at the Sports Objective. But um, and we'll provide those details if we come across them. If, if I see any video, could not find any, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was in the late innings of that game, and uh, you know whatever transpired did, and then it led to that. Uh, like the seventh inning, right, Bubba? Yeah, seventh or eighth inning, and it led led to a brawl. <laughs> Saw people talking about it on Twitter. So, uh, but anyway, the results on the field: uh, Cincinnati was able to win two out of three games in that series. Um, Georgia State won the opener twelve to two, but the Bearcats won games two and three, nine to four, and six to four down in Atlanta. Uh, Tulane they were playing UC Irvine. And uh, that was out in Irvine uh, to Tulane. The first year head coach, he had been on staff, but um, sliding over into the head role. And they lost to the Anteaters three to nothing, 11 to four, and one to nothing. So, with a lot of turnover, a lot of guys transferred out. Yeah, rough start for the Green Wave. And uh, given the caliber of the opponents, not shocking, but. Speaking of shocking, um, unintentional, uh, unintentional segue there because Wichita State's the only program we haven't mentioned, and they are um, looking to stave off a sweep against Long Beach State, future opponent of the Pirates. Like we already mentioned, they lost games one and two, two to nothing, and six to five out in Long Beach, and uh, right now it's in the bottom of the eighth of game three, and it looks like unless they really collapse they're going to uh, leave long beach with one victory as they lead the 49ers uh, or as they're sometimes known as the dirt bags 11 to 5 yeah the dirt bags of long beach yes. hey i want to bubble one more score if, uh, if it's available to you future uh, east carolina opponent liberty uh played at southern miss this weekend i know yes. southern won game one what happened to the other two southern miss uh just one moment uh, southern miss swept, just disappeared swept into the, the flames Southern Miss with the sweep over Liberty. That's a very nice sweep by the by the Golden Eagles, who had also very yeah. high expectations. Golden Eagles. Also, I was going to mention Bubba. Also, the Golden Eagles. I had a first, lag on my yeah, you still do. Um, the 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 Golden Eagles also uh, sold out their season tickets in baseball for the first time ever. Uh, so similar to the Pirates, right now they got a lot of momentum. They really do. Um, two programs that are. Always strong in East Carolina and Southern Miss, taking it to another level, um, both on the field and in the stands. And um, it, it was a very competitive series. Today they won 7-2. to Not sure exactly the flow of that game, but uh, games one and two, um, Southern Miss won 3 to nothing and 2-1. to So uh, to the Flames uh, looking for their first win on Tuesday when they take on New Orleans. And uh, like you mentioned, Kyle, the, the Flames coming in for a three-game series this year. So uh, that's more of that non-conference schedule that's so strong that we spoke of. Yeah, very, and uh, and very impressive sweep by Southern Miss because Liberty's not a pushover. 
No, they're not. All right, guys. Uh, we'll say hello again to our good friends at Next Level Training Center. Appreciate uh, once again, Trent and Gaynell Britt. And uh, Next Level Training Center is in Greenville, and it's on Wimbledon Drive. NextLevelTC.com. Call them at business hours, 252-756-NEXT. They've got, uh, like their fake Facebook page, they've got a lot of cool stuff always there. And if you're looking for your son or daughter to be great <laughs> in baseball or uh, softball, Next Level Training Center. There was a poll over there. There was a poll if you're looking for your son. Uh, <laughs> you're going to no. find him there? Is that where he is? Yeah, he's looking there, yeah. And, uh, but, hey, Kyle, what about pgxgloves.com? What can you look and find there? Well, we already went through this, but we'll do it again. Uh, you can find gloves, time. lots and lots of gloves again for pgxgloves.com. Uh, just like it was about 10 minutes ago, uh, still put in promo code ECU at checkout and save yourself 25% on all your baseball, softball, and whatever gloves you may need. That's right. They're supporters of our program, Kyle, so we cannot mention them enough. So appreciate them very much. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Kyle, man, thank you so much. Thanks to Scott Rogers. Bubba, thanks, dude, for behind the scenes, all the stuff, uh, the graphics. Appreciate you very much. We'll get out of here, and you've been watching and listening to Extra Innings, and it's right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and as always, go Pirates. Hey, Pirate Nation, this is former East Carolina pitcher Davey Penny of the Keith LeClaire era, class of 2003. Keep it tuned to the sports objective as you follow our diamond bucks on the road to Omaha, because y'all know we're going. That concludes this week's edition of Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the sports objective. Join us next Sunday night as we will once again talk East Carolina Pirate Baseball. Be sure to follow the show on social media, at the Sports OBJ on Twitter, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Listen to the show pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. As always, we appreciate you tuning into the show. Go Pirates!